Music as a way to worship God is a huge part of following Jesus, but we don't always have the tools we need to connect with God in a worship service. In this series called Behind the Lyrics, we're talking about the meaning in the songs we sing because your favorite worship song has more to say. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. I know for a lot of people, music is really important. You are listening to music on the bus, in your bedroom, while you're eating dinner, while you're doing homework. Every moment of your life, there is some music going on in your life. But I got to be honest, uh, I'm not really into music like I used to be. Um, I used to listen to music constantly, especially like in high school, middle school, on the bus ride. That was it. I would take my CD player and my no-skip CD player, and I would listen to music all the time. I would learn all the lyrics to a whole CD. Um, And I would make fun of talk radio. Now... Uh, I am constantly only listening to podcasts, which is just the talk radio of this millennium. Um, and so I've, I've made a big change there in my life. When I do listen to music, I like music that uh, is very poetic and it takes words seriously, lyrically complicated music. And I'm into some music that the words aren't as important, but the music's really nice. Uh, but a lot of the music I listen to, I find that I relate to really good words. And it's very important to me. Um, and I say, I, I guess I listen to a lot of music on the radio today, and it's not what I would consider lyrically complicated. You know, sometimes I just want them to try harder. I just want them to stop repeating the same line over and over and over and ending with baby. It's just, it's very predictable. And uh, maybe I'm just old fashioned. I don't know, but um, I'm into lyrically complicated music. At church, we spend a large portion of our time together with music, and uh, you may have asked why that is. You may have been wondering why we spend so much time in music, and so right now, we're going to start a series called Behind the Lyrics, because we believe that your favorite worship song has more to say. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about a bunch of the worship songs that we do at Apex, and what the words in those songs really mean. So let's start out by talking about why worship is a part of our service and why that's important and why we do that. There was a man named Paul. We've talked about him a lot in here. And this Paul fella wrote a letter to Christians in the city of Colossae. And um, these people had some questions about worship. And so he told them this in Colossians 3.16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There's three things there I want to point out that Paul says. First, we learn from the wisdom of the songs. There's words in these songs that are um, that impact how we view God and how we think about God. And you could argue this is the most influential discipleship tool that the church uses. We learn the most from what we sing about God. You can make an argument for that. The second thing is that the spirit is central. We're having a genuine focus on God. Um, that God said worship is in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. And that is a genuine focus on God. The spirit is central. And the third thing is that we sing with gratitude. Gratitude is so important. A lot of times we'll see in the Bible, we'll see it talk about uh, praise and thanksgiving. We got it. These things go hand in hand, music, worshiping God through music and being thankful. Gratitude go hand in hand. And we see a lot of different expressions of that in church. You know, like people are singing together, uh, playing instruments. You're going to notice people clapping, whether it's to the music, uh, as well as in between songs. Some people like to yell or dance or wave a flag around. And all of those are 
appropriate ways to express gratitude to God. That's just how we do it. It's That's how we show our thankfulness to God. And we don't all do it the same way. There's all kinds of ways we can express praise and gratitude to God. We have another letter written by a man named James. James was the brother of Jesus, and he talked about worship as well. And I always pay really close attention to James um, because I don't know if you have a sibling or not, but I have two brothers. And I can ask you this question. Can you imagine what it would take for you to believe that your brother was the savior of the universe? Yes, you would need to be really, really convinced that that was the case in order to believe that. And I certainly would. And James was really, really convinced that his brother was the savior. And so he wrote a letter saying, my brother is the savior. And this is one of the things he talks about. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I say this a lot in worship that I say, this is a time where we can draw close to God. And when we do that, he reciprocates. He draws close to us. Really important part of worship. Uh, When we're trying to genuinely trying to connect with God, he meets with us. And this is why knowing this is so important. Because if you just watch the lyrics pass you by on the screen, you could miss all of this. You could miss learning about God in worship. You could miss a genuine connection with God. You could miss an encounter with his presence. And I do not want you to miss out on that. I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. We come in here uh, at Apex Students and on Sunday mornings at Harvest Church, and we sing together all the time. And I want you to have the tools you need to connect with God. And that's what this series is all about. Connecting with God through music. How do we do it? That's what Behind the Lyrics is all about. So we're going to go through three songs tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about them right now. Then we're going to talk about them in in small groups. That's kind of the model over this series is we're going to go over three songs, talk about them in small groups, and then come back into the room and worship together to those same songs. So I encourage you to join us at this series, and you're going to get to experience that. And with all of that in mind, we're going to start with the first song, and it's called Freedom. Now, this idea of freedom is all over worship music. We see it a lot. And you're going to hear a couple key phrases uh, about freedom in songs about freedom. And in the chorus of this song, Freedom, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's a really common phrase used in worship music because it comes right from another letter from Paul. Paul said, as he was writing a letter to people, the Christians in the city of Corinth, he said, where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. We just ripped that line right off of Paul. And this is, you're going to see this a lot in worship songs. You're going to see that we took scripture written from letters and, and prophets and all kinds of things that we know God encountering his people. And we took those words and we put them to music because we find them important. So we sing about them because they're important. And this is a really important idea where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there's just no way that I could detail every application of this idea, but you know what it's like to feel trapped right? Maybe there's a lot going on at school and you just cannot handle another assignment. You missed a few finals and you got all this makeup work. You're feeling behind. Or maybe you're in a rough spot with a friend. Maybe somebody said something about you behind your back or you weren't invited to something. That's all you can think about is how your friendships are in trouble. Or maybe you have no time to think about school or friends because your family feels like it's falling apart. You come home Um, After a bad day at school, bad relationships with friends, you come home to parents fighting or siblings crying or whatever the case may be. 
There are all kinds of different ways that you're, you feel trapped. We have all been here in some way. All of us have felt trapped. But when you get with God, it's, it's odd because sometimes those things, they just don't feel as heavy. And it's not that your problems don't go away. They don't always just disappear. But in my experience, when I'm worshiping, I know that God is bigger than my problems. So when I focus on God, my problems seem smaller. When I focus on the bigness of God, my problems just seem smaller. People have even experienced freedom from addiction, depression, freedom from disease, literal healings. God brings people freedom in all kinds of different ways. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The verses of this song show us another kind of freedom, very important. And they say, run into wide open spaces. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting. And we've talked at Apex about what grace really is. Uh, But grace is God knowing that we have done wrong. God knowing that we deserve punishment, but forgiving us anyway. He shows us grace in spite of when we mess up. So there is freedom, not only from the weight of your circumstances, but there is freedom from sin. There's freedom from God's judgment. And that is a big deal. Grace is waiting. In the bridge of this song, we sing chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus name. And this is really interesting because we come back to our dude, Paul, and uh, he literally lived this. He was in jail, in chains, in a cell, and he was with his friend and they were singing to Jesus. They were singing the name of Jesus. And then God sent an earthquake that shook the prison, shook the doors loose and caused their chains to fall off. That's why we sing this. When we sing those words, we're remembering what Paul, what happened to Paul when Paul was in chains. We remember the power in Jesus name. We also sing that lives are made whole hearts awake in the sound of Jesus name. And the only reason I bring this up because I love that hearts awake line. I love that phrase. It's such a great picture of what happens when you let Jesus into your life. And God alluded to this uh, when he said through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's huge. When Jesus shows up, our hearts and lives are changed. Everything's changed. And it's kind of hard to explain what it feels like or what it, what it looks like to have your heart of stone replaced with a heart of flesh. But I think if you've been through it, you understand it. But I know that my heart of stone has been replaced with a heart of flesh because of the joy that I can feel, because of the peace, despite my circumstances, that I can feel. God has done that for me, and he wants to do that for you because he changes us in a great way because he is good. He is good to us. And that brings us to the next song. King of my heart. Now, I love this song. This one's been a favorite of mine for a while now. And uh, it was the chorus of this song that really got me hooked first. And the chorus says, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, oh, oh. And it's really simple, uh, but it's really true. And it's really powerful. God is good, oh, oh, oh. That is so true. And um, I think part of what makes this so powerful is that when we spend time singing this in a song, Uh, I know I mentioned repetition earlier, but repetition works in this case. It's almost like if you don't believe it by the first line, you better buckle up because you're going to be singing, you are good, good, oh, 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 a bunch of times. And, And the more you sing it, the more time you spend thinking about it. Listen, by the end of the chorus, you are much more likely to believe it. 
we meditate on those words. The Bible talks about meditation and not in like this weird, like spooky way that a lot of people use it now, um, but meditation in the way of focusing on a particular thought, focus on the fact that God is good. And you're going to see that play out in your life. Speaking of repetition, the verses of this song, we call God a lot of different things. The one that's repeated most is he is my song. I think that's really beautiful. Um, the verses of this song are filled with poetic language. We call God a lot of things in these verses. I'm going to try and group a couple of them up. We call God the mountain where I run, the shadow where I hide, and the anchor in the waves. And I think this is describing the refuge and safety that we can find in God, that God is on our side. He protects us. He loves us. We can feel safe because of how big our God is. We call God the fountain I drink from. The fire inside my veins. We say, God, you are my source. You are my driving passion. You're my reason for being. And you provide everything I have. You are my source. We also sing that God is the ransom for my life. He is our savior. And this is, we're talking about Jesus here. What Jesus did on the cross for us. We spent a lot of time talking about that at Apex. He is the ransom for my life. And the last one is the echo of my days. I get really excited singing about how God is the echo of my days. Now, the way I interpret it is that we're saying, God, you are my legacy. You are what I want to be remembered for. You know how an echo works, right? So you yell something in a cave and it reverberates around and it comes back to you. And the idea is the sound lasts longer in that cave than you. Maybe you yell in a cave and walk away. That sound is still there. My life should not echo a message I was trying to get across. My days on earth should echo Jesus's message. And I hope that's true for me. I hope you want that as well. I want the echo of my days to be Jesus, not me. In the bridge of the song, we sing, you're never going to let, never going to let me down. And this bridge is one last reminder that he is not going anywhere, that God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? What could possibly stand up to you if God is on your side. He is never going to let you down. Deuteronomy 18.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This is so cool. When you remember God, he remembers you. It's that simple. When you remember God, he remembers you. And we've all been let down by people, right? The people that we thought were there for us, um, whether we've had a friend betray us or a parent or leader hurt us in some way, we've all been there. But God is not like that. He's never like that. He just cannot do that. God does not let people down. That's just who he is. He is incapable of letting us down. And that's the God that we can build our lives on. That's a God that's dependable. And that leads us to this, leads us to the third song that I want to talk about. It's a newer one, uh, newer to me at least, and it's called Build My Life. Now, the verses of this song have a couple important themes that I want to go over. So first, we say a few times that God is worthy. He's worthy of every song we could sing, every praise we could bring, every breath we could breathe. God is worthy. That's just a, a testament to how good he is. He deserves our praise. He deserves our gratitude. That's what it means for him to be worthy. We also sing that Jesus' name is set apart. It's bigger and better than any other name. And then we sing, we live for you. Now, that's a pretty bold declaration. Um, Everything we say and do is about you. It's about you and it's for you. And I want that to be true for me. 
I can say that I do not get that 100% right. <laughs> not everything I do is perfectly for God. That's what I want, though. I'm trying to make my life all about him, what he wants me to do, and what he wants to do through me. So let's touch to the jump to the bridge here because um, it's pretty important uh, foundational for this song. So we say two phrases in the bridge that mean something similar. And they say, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. So to I will build my life on your love. Again, this idea that we live for him. Everything is about God. Everything is for God. He is the most important thing. We also get why we can do that here. And that's because his love is a firm foundation for us to build our lives on. He's a sturdy structure. And listen, there are a ton of things. There are countless things you could build your life on. Countless things I could build my life on. Good things. Things that are good in many cases, but things that I cannot build my life on. You can build your life on family. You can build your life on friendships. You can build your life on marriage, on a good marriage. You can build your life on money and power. You can build your life on the opinions of other people. You can build your life on whatever you want, but those things will eventually let you down. If you build your life on anything but God, you are going to be wobbly. And then after you're wobbly, You're going to topple over. God's love is a firm foundation. And frankly, he's the only firm foundation. That's why we can build our lives on him because he is trustworthy. He is worthy of us doing that. He deserves it. I wanted to end this discussion on this song with the chorus because I think it, it lays out this beautiful script between the singer and God. And there's three ideas. I'm going to lay them out in a progression. Holy, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. If you're a church person, you've probably heard that word holy for a long time. (laughs) And I promise no one really explained that to me until I was in college. And I don't want that to be your story. So I'm going to talk a little bit about holy. So the original understanding of this holy word um, is set apart, set apart. So when I hear the word holy, I now think set apart. So think special. Unlike anything else, it's set apart, it's outside. And in the case of God, it means he is bigger, better, more than anything else. He is set completely apart. God is holy, unlike anything we could possibly compare him to. And that's true, right? We have just no frame of reference for God. There is no one and nothing like him. That's why a lot of people have a hard time accepting God. It's because it's something that I can't understand. And so to be able to put my entire faith in God means me letting go of some control of my life. And that can be very uncomfortable to give myself over to something I don't totally understand. But that's what makes him so great. I don't want to serve a God I can understand. God is set apart. He is holy. And then we sing, open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are. This is cool. It's it's God, help me to see how great, big, strong you are. Help me to focus on the fact that you are good, good, oh, oh. Help me to feel your love and feel your presence. So first we understand that God is holy. He's set apart. But at the same time, he's close. That's really, really interesting. We we talk about God. I heard Ravi Zacharias talk about God as the Holy Father. And these two ideas, Holy Father, should not be next to each other. Because the idea of holiness is set apart. I cannot get close to holiness. But then the next word, Father, Dad. 
that closeness that comes with a family member, with a father. And I know a lot of people listening have not had a good experience with a father, but so imagine the perfect one. Imagine the perfect father. That's what God is to us. The Holy Father, this, this closeness, but this set apartness, it's very, it's a contradiction, but that's who God is. He is that close. He is that big and he cares about us. He comes near to us when we come near to him. The last line of the chorus says, and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. It's not the end to understand that God is big and ask him to be close. That's not the end. When you do that, when you do those things, you realize he's big and call him close to you. He is going to call you to something more. He is going to give you a purpose and mission for your life because he did that for his first followers. He did that for the people that were following him on earth. And he's saying the same thing to us. So we believe that Jesus died on a cross, literally died. And then he was put in a tomb and literally rose back to life three days later. And so after he rose back to life, he wandered around the world. He talked to some friends. Uh, So he just kind of walked around. And then he went into heaven. Jesus spoke a lot. He was very careful with his words. So his last words are going to be very important. That seems obvious. And this is the very last thing Jesus said before he went into heaven. He said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God is filling us with his heart for other people. And that means we love our neighbors. We love our enemies. We care about these people and we see them the way he does. Listen, if you try to see your enemies the same way God sees them, it's going to be hard for you to keep them as your enemies. (laughs) Because when you see other people the way God sees them, you are seeing children of God. You are seeing people that are hurting, that are broken, that are in need of a savior. And in many cases don't have him. You're going to have a lot more empathy and compassion for the people in your life if you see people through God's eyes. So God leads us in his love. He helps us to love the people around us. And he gives us a strength and boldness to tell people that story. And that's interesting to me because um, we, we've talked about this verse before. And it's these, um, the circles getting bigger and bigger, being my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jerusalem was the town, the the city they were in, Judea being the region, Samaria being a neighboring region, and then the ends of the earth. So we have this circle getting bigger and bigger. This message is going to get bigger and bigger and more reach. But what's interesting is that it says they start in Jerusalem, but none of the people he he was talking to were from Jerusalem. None of them were from the city they were in. So he doesn't say, go home, get cozy, do some self-care, and then go out and tell my message all over the world. Now, self-care is important, so don't hear something I'm not saying. But he doesn't say this is going to be comfortable. He says, start wherever you are. Start proclaiming my message, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's outside of your comfort zone. You're going to start where you are to tell people my message. And that tells me, I have to be comfortable with rejection. (laughs) I'm going to be carrying this message of Jesus around and not everyone's going to like it, but I have to be prepared for rejection, be prepared for that uncomfortableness um, that that is associated with sharing the message of Jesus. And that's what he's calling us to. He, and there is obviously there is some, uh, maybe it's not obvious, but I'll balance that and say there's definitely value in, in relationships and in different kinds of evangelism. There's all kinds, but Jesus said, 
Start where you are. You're going to be my witness. And also, he said, I'm going to give you power to do this. I'm going to give you power and boldness, and I'm going to help you. So when you say, God, you, uh, I understand that you are big. I understand that you are close. And then he gives you this mission. He says, let me help you carry out that mission. And he gives you strength, power, boldness to do that. So when we sing this song, we are asking for God's help to do what he's called us to do. I love this series. I'm very excited for the next couple of weeks. And I hope you're learning something. I am very, very much learning something. But I, what I don't want you to do is only learn about these particular songs that we talk about in the series. I want you to discover the meanings in these songs, but also have the tools to figure out the meanings of other songs so that you can connect with the words of other worship music so that you can think about the words you're saying. Don't just let the words roll by you on a screen. There is meaning behind the lyrics and your favorite worship song has more to say. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for everyone that was at Apex this past Wednesday that's listening to this podcast and is going to be a part of this series in the future. Thank thank you for helping us understand your word, understand the words that we sing to give you praise and help us to connect with you through worship. Help us to connect with you on a new level through music, Father. Thank you for the opportunity and we pray that you help us to do that. We cannot do it without your help. So give us the tools and the boldness to step out and worship you in a new way and take our relationship with you to the next level. And God, help us not to walk away from a single worship set, a single worship service without looking a little bit more like you. We love you. It's in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.